I am Meg McKean, and this is Bound and Determined. I hold the space to share the stories of women working in and for the insurance industry. It's here that we learn, we grow, we connect, and we celebrate. Because though we are women in insurance, we are so much more. I am so glad that you're here. Meg not only encourages women to be who they are and do what they do, she is curious about their stories and shares those stories in an open and compassionate space. Thank you so much for that great five-star review on iTunes. If you agree or disagree, head on over to iTunes and leave your review. The women who are waiting to hear these stories will appreciate it, and I will too. Thank you. There is so much wisdom in this episode. Maria Goy joins me as we share the lessons we learned from our moms, the clarity that can come from our darkest moments, her experience growing up in a Korean-American household, and how that informed her career choices, and the mission that Maria is on. I am with her as she aims to make insurance more accessible. Fun fact, Maria and I had never spoken before we recorded this episode. If this isn't a testament to the power of story in creating connection, I don't know what is. You are in for such a treat. Off we go. Maria, thank you so much for joining me on this episode of Bound and Determined. I've only gotten a sneak peek of what you are about and how you're showing up in the world and particularly in the insurance world. And I'm excited to learn more. And I know our audience will too. Thank you so much for being here. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, Meg. I am selfishly excited to share that I am dialing in today from New Orleans. I got here just a couple days ago. Most people, if they've been following along, know that I packed up some of my things, sold the rest of my things and my house in Chicago and hit the road earlier this year. And it's been a really interesting adventure. I'll call it an adventure. Let's go with that. But I know you're not in New Orleans. You are in Austin. I am Austin, Texas, but we did just hire our first uh, resource out of New Orleans. So I love that. So tell me about, um, you've been in Austin. How long is that home for you? How did you end up there? It's on my list of places to visit. Yeah, I love being in Austin. I've been here since 2017 uh, via New York, Dallas. Um, I ended up here because I was at New York Life um, and I was actually living in Dallas, but really spending no time there. I bought a house, but in total spent 90 days there the rest of the time I was in New York or traveling for uh, work. And all my girlfriends were in Austin. So I'd get home, I'd pack up my dog, and then we'd come down to Austin to hang out for the weekend. While here, somebody knocked on my door and left a card saying that they wanted to buy my house. And it just kind of felt like the universe giving me a, a sign and an opportunity and I'm a big believer in sort of taking taking those on a whim and uh, landed in Austin and then was lucky enough to meet my now husband that same weekend. So uh, it kind of felt like Austin and life was just waiting for me. Oh, I love that. I love the idea that sometimes home finds us versus the other way around. And part of my journey that I'm on right now is staying open to that. So you're a newlywed. Tell me about, tell me about 
Did that happen in the Latin pandemic times or was it is did. that? It did. Uh, it did. Surprisingly to both of us, it, we got engaged pre-pandemic, um, engaged about a year after we met one another. I actually said to my girlfriend the day that I met him, I was like, you're sworn to secrecy, but I'm certain I just met the person I'm going to marry. Oh, um, Thank you <laughs> for was, giving me hope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was, you know, after being divorced for a number of years, it was just really, I'm just lucky. I'm so grateful. He's my biggest supporter and my biggest cheerleader leader. But yeah, it, it's one of those where we had planned to have a wedding in November of this past year. And it was just clear that the pandemic was not going to lift up. And we were just sitting on a bench in our house one day and just kind of both looked at each other at the same time. And we're like, if marriage is about the two of us, why are we just not getting married? It doesn't have to be for everyone else. We can have a big party and a celebration later. So we scrambled everything together, marriage certificate, rings, and dress, um, and one of our closest friends here in Austin and his wife wet us on our rooftop deck, and it was pretty magic, and I'm so glad we did it that way as well, because it just became a night about the two of us versus everyone else in the room, and mm. I'm, I'm really grateful for that. Yeah. Yeah. There are good things to have come from the, the period of time that we're leaving. And I don't want to diminish where we've been, but there are those moments I think that would never, never happen if it weren't for what we've experienced collectively. So thank you. Yeah. Thanks for sharing a little bit more, yeah. more about that. Um, it's interesting. So you met your husband, your now husband, and let's talk about your business. Let's talk about sort of how the two intersect, right? So you're, you're building a business as a fellow female founder, though I know we're building different types of businesses. My goodness, the energy and all of the different directions we are pulled in building a business. It's hard yeah. to describe. How did you balance? How are you balancing the needs and demands of a new relationship as you build this new business? Do you find that challenging? Do you have any insights as you look back and look forward? Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. Um, it's a hard balance, I would definitely say. It's one that um, in it's taken me a very long time in my career to learn how to balance that. I definitely have made choices in the past where I've overbalanced, um, particularly on the work side, um, and have spent a lot of years in this last uh, 10 years really trying to understand who I am and how to better balance off personal and career. And I think that biggest lesson for me was just more authentically embracing who I am all the time. So not trying to be somebody behind closed doors at home versus somebody different in the office um, and just really focusing on showing up exactly as I am in all places um, as the exact same person and not having to go through that constant shift. And this idea that people accept me um, for, for as I am. Um, so at New York Life, I definitely showed up on my first day with visible tattoos and purple hair. And I can tell you, I was definitely the only executive officer um, around the table, um, but it was a big part of who I am. And I knew that transitioning in and out of that persona wasn't something that I was interested in doing. Um, and finding a partner who was going to accept me for all of that as well um, became really important. And so as I learned more about myself and that journey, it's been a lot easier to handle. Um, I would definitely say, as you mentioned, building a business is tough. And um, there are definitely times, even though you have an incredible partner and an incredible co-founder, that it's lonely. And you look to see, you know, am I making the right choices? And 
hopefully not jumping into it too personally, but you know, I've, I've had three miscarriages in this last year and you kind of look at it and take a step back and it's like, am I putting too much of myself into work that my body can't handle what I personally really want? Or is it just not the right time? And so it's a, it's a daily, it's a daily practice for me to look at that and say, can I take time to meditate and can I take time to center myself um, and balance on what's important during the day? And sometimes the day focuses on building the business and sometimes the day focuses on building the relationship with my partner. And sometimes the day focuses on, you know, continuing the relationship with myself. Oh, that's beautiful. I want to acknowledge first and foremost, thank you for your transparency. Um, my heart is with you on your fertility journey. And though we don't have miscarriage in common, I did, I was married previously and was challenged with some fertility issues during that chapter of my life. And I just don't think there's enough awareness for us collectively, particularly as women, as we navigate these things. And so thank you for mentioning it. Thank you for saying it out loud. I don't often talk about how the podcast came into being, but it really came from feeling very alone and isolated and wishing I could talk to someone who got it, who understood and realizing totally. how powerful these stories are and how the universe is a magical thing. And it often puts these words in exactly the right time and place when we need to hear them to motivate us and to encourage us and to inspire us to keep going. So thank you. Thank you for sharing of your story in that way. You said something there at the end, which I absolutely love. And I'm reminded of something my mom always said when I was a little girl growing up. And it's interesting because I'm, I'm not a mother, but I, I see a lot of my friends who are mothering and are definitely feeling more so now than ever that tug between responsibilities at work and as a partner and as a parent. And my mom always said, and it wasn't in an insensitive way that she was a woman before she was a wife and she was a wife before she was a mother. And I never felt like she loved me any less because I was kind of third in line. But what I heard when she would say that, or when she would follow through that in her behaviors was that she knew just like that whole oxygen mask metaphor that she wasn't any good or as good to the people around her that she loved if she wasn't taking care of herself. And she wasn't, she is not a selfish woman. She is the least selfish woman that I know, but she made time for her girlfriends. She made time for trips to go try on clothes at her favorite clothing shop after work. <laughs> she made time for uh, an annual girlfriend's trip with women that she still travels with once a year today and really, truly led by example. And, and looking back, I realized chapters in my own life where I didn't prioritize my own needs and wants, even though I had grown up with that example. And I think as women, that's natural. We have these ebbs and flows where our priorities shift and they change. And there's no moment that we can pinpoint where we have it all figured out, unfortunately. So again, yeah. power in the story for sure. Yeah, completely. My, my mom is um, just such an inspiration, right? She was um, immigrated here when she was 18, learned English, graduated with a degree in mathematics, got her master's in software engineering when I was in high school, but always put us first. And especially as a Korean American, that culture that I grew up in was very much about putting family first. My mom never really traveled um, the world. She never really got to see the things that she wanted to do. And as my sisters and I grew up, it's been a balance for her of wanting us to be independent and travel the world and see everything and experience life, but also 
you know, make sure that we have stability and love and family. And now she's just retired after a career of 40 years and is traveling and spending time with her girlfriend safely, um, as you mentioned. And she's got Friday night Zoom calls with every, um, all of her girlfriends. Uh, and it's just such a fun thing to watch and just experience. And she's just such a constant reminder of, you know, that that one relationship that will continually change and that you continually want to grow with is yourself. And we as women tend to forget that sometimes. Yeah. Um, how important it is to put ourselves first to to learn and be vulnerable with ourselves in the mirror, not just, you know, the people around us. Mm, I love that. And congratulations to your mom. What a neat milestone. And yeah. it sounds like she's maximizing the time that she's got now, which is amazing. You mentioned that you are Korean American. When we talk about some of the choices that we're making as women, how much do you think is the cultural impact or the cultural experience that we have in growing up in the households that we live in? And then as we enter this insurance arena, if you will, and I want to talk about what I'm getting at here is your career path. And you mentioned fitting in, kind of playing the part and separating this work life persona, this comes up all the time on the podcast. So we're being really consistent. Um, (laughs) But I want to talk about sort of how you unpack that and then your own experience in your growing up years and how does that inform or how did that inform your decision to take a less traditional path? You know, it's, it's interesting. I take a lot of pride in my heritage. Um, My grandparents raised me while my mom um, was finishing college and my dad was overseas. So my first language was actually Korean, although it's pretty rough these days. Um, And so a lot of what I do now today is, is think about how do I give back more? Um, And I don't know that I'll ever be able to do enough for a heritage that has done so much for me. And it was really in my later years that it gave me so much more identity um, to embrace uh, who I am and um, culturally as well, because growing up as a half American kid um, and half Korean, you didn't really feel feel at times that I fit in everywhere. And you'd go to a Korean community and you could, you know, as a young kid hear, you know, Korean adults talking about you and um, that you're just, you know, a little half breed <laughs> that isn't as pretty as their kids. And you'd go to um, an American home and you'd equally hear the same exact thing from American parents. So it took me a long time, I think, to really try to embrace who I am as an individual and and that heritage being so important to me, but more about the tradition um, and the culture as I grew up and learned more. And so thinking about, you know, unpacking that has definitely been a journey for me. Um, I identify myself as um, Korean American. Um, all of our, you know, sort of family traditions are based around Korean traditions. Those are very important to me. Um, as well. But it's also trying to break free of some of those traditions or sort of stereotypes even within the family of, you know, when I, when I was divorcing my um, now ex-husband, there was a lot of shame in that, of that I would be the first um, grandchild to actually be going through a divorce um, and understanding sort of this idea or this idea in my head that it would be shameful for the family when ultimately when the family found out they were incredibly supportive but also this idea that as a you know Korean American, I want to pursue and, and have something bigger in order to give back and to be able to say that, you know, a pro- I'm a child, a product of somebody who immigrated here and is giving back to the community here in the U.S. as well. 
And so that's really important to me as I think about my career. And when I started at New York Life, um, really the nail in the coffin for me to join that company was because of John Kim, uh, the former president. Um, here was this incredible Korean man that beat the odds and was president um, of, of New York Life Insurance. And you walk onto the executive floor at New York Life and there are just these 10 feet oil paintings of all Caucasian men. Um, and they're all former retired presidents. And just knowing John retired now that he's going to have, you know, his 10 foot oil painting there up on the walls. Like I took so much pride in that. And my, my family took so much pride in the fact that I worked for a company that could enable that. And so for me, it's definitely something as I continue to grow and mature, it's just, it's something that I, I think I'll never really stop unpacking if that makes sense. It does. It does. I'm with you. I have so many thoughts. I'm so, I'm, I'm inspired fundamentally. I love, I thank you for that story and that reflection. And it's such an important reminder how leadership takes so many different shapes and sometimes we miss it entirely as yeah. an industry. I don't think it's coming as a surprise to anyone. Um, to yeah. hear you talk about the 10 foot oil paintings of the white men, right? <laughs> like it's, it's a thing yeah. friends and yeah. and bit by bit we're building awareness with awareness comes action solutions i'm here for it right and i think it's an important reminder in that moment for you how impactful that was and this is a career changing decision for you right to join that company in that moment so you have joined new york life like yeah. so many of us we're learning as we're going, we're building this career as we go. And we're saying yes to certain opportunities and gut checking other opportunities and saying no to other opportunities. Like, how did you, how did, tell me how the path took shape and how did you land in this place now of being a co-founder in a technology company? Yeah, for sure. Um, I'll take you back just a little bit, if that's okay. Um, Cause I think it's kind of the fundamental of where I've landed, but you know, I honestly never thought I'd start my own business. My dad was in the military, as mentioned, so grew up kind of moving around. And all I really wanted in my life, I thought was stability. And so I remember getting my first job offer from um, Intel Anderson Consulting and kind of laying those out and being like, where am I going to live and work for the rest of my life was really how I was thinking about it. Um, and ended up going with Anderson Consulting and ended up kind of living this nomadic life, moving across Europe and Asia. Um, and the U.S. and ultimately kind of finding myself in this corporate world of operations is which I just really enjoyed. And so as I, as I was sitting there at New York Life, finally sort of at the end of my corporate career, it really kind of came down to a couple of things of fundamentally understanding a little bit more of who I was and what was driving and motivating me and where I found my most joy, um, which was around owning uh, certain initiatives and being able to drive and make true change. I, I recognize bring me a lot of happiness. Um, and then as I started to look at the insurance industry um, through the lens of New York Life and through the lens of customers and understanding sort of the big impact that insurance can have on individuals um, if they have it um, and the devastation if they don't. And how do you start to bridge the gap of ensuring that insurance doesn't become something for the have and have nots? Um, and so there are all these plays in my head that were kind of circling around. And um, John Kim, who I mentioned earlier, recommended a book 
and uh, he recommended the Clay Christensen book, How Will You Measure Your Life? I don't know if you've read that one. Um, I have read that one. So good. Thank you for mentioning yeah. it specifically because I, A, I love resources like that and it's a must read. Absolutely. It really, it really is. Um, it, it really sort of changed the outlook of how I thought about myself and success. Um, for so long, I was sort of driven by, uh, I realized what I had been driven by was trying to make a point um, after my divorce that uh, I dove into my career and was like, I can do everything and I'll become a vice president in every company I went into. And, and ultimately re- recognizing that I wasn't finding a lot of joy in that. Um, and reading that book really helped kind of center me on, I wanted to do something bigger. My life is not going to be measured by how much money I save in a contract negotiation at the bottom of the PNL. Um, my life is going to be measured by, can I look back and say that I made a fundamental difference? Um, did I do things in my life that brought me joy and the people around them? Did I better, did I better that? Did I live my life in a little bit more service? And so that really was sort of a linchpin for me of reading that book and having a lot of that internal dialogue and deciding that I had to try and make a bigger impact. Um, and I had to try and, and give something back to this world um, that had already given me so much at the age of you know, 38, 39. What is it about 38 or 39? I swear <laughs> that is like a witching hour for what I, I, one, of the, one of the coolest <laughs> things, and there's been so much about this podcast that I never could have anticipated when I started it on a whim is how many women will reach out after they listen to an episode and they say, oh my gosh, I've totally been there or, oh my gosh, I'm there right now. And what I find is then we say out loud that we're feeling these feelings, right? I use the word misalignment all the time. It's how I felt in my work, in my career and nothing, nothing made sense. I was just going through the motions and collecting, um, fortunately promotions and more money and more opportunities, but it didn't make sense. It wasn't coming together for me. And I love that you've used words like joy and happiness, because I think a lot of us start to think I should be happy about my work. I should be joyful about my work and then say, no, that's just asking too much. That's just being unreasonable. Now you're being unreasonable. Get over yourself. And a lot of that is deprogramming for many of us, the upbringing, the culture that we sort of grew up in, that you have one job with one company and they're loyal to you and you're loyal right back and you're grateful and and you can still be all of those things. But there is this awakening that many of us have where we wonder, is this all that there is out there? Yeah. Here's the thing though. I took the leap, you took the leap, but the vast majority of people will never take the leap. And I'm not advocating that we all burn down, so to speak, our corporate careers, because this is hard. I cannot say it enough. I cannot say it loudly enough. This is hard. Building a business is hard. It is not the easy path and it is not utopia or sunshine and roses as we might think on Instagram, period. And I would love to know from your perspective, what was the moment? What was the, how did you give yourself permission to figure this out, to take the next step and pursue a new path. Talk me through what were you thinking? What were you feeling? Because I absolutely know there's someone right now feeling it. Yeah, it's, I mean, you just use that word awakening. I get so many truth bumps um, when you say that running down my arm and it just, it is an awakening at that age. And I think it's a continual awakening, right? And this acceptance of ourselves and 
this idea sort of even if I, as I looked at my corporate life at New York Life, kind of the top of my career, um, knowing I'm making a cultural difference in the company and ultimately looking at myself and saying, I have no right to be unhappy. I make more money than I can spend. I have bought a home by myself. I didn't need anybody else to do that. I have an amazing circle of friends. Um, and yet, while I have no right to be unhappy, like there's still something and I think it was really kind of looking at myself and being really honest that I'd poured my soul and sort of every waking hour I had into being the best employee possible. Um, and I hadn't used that as time to be the best human possible. And I think there were a couple of moments for me. Um, one was I had a Yorkshire Terrier named Chester Copperpot, if you know the Goonies. Um, definitely ages me and I'm with uh, you. I'm yeah. with you. <laughs> and uh, another one uh, named Bjorn and I just moved to Dallas and I had to fly to New York to have a meeting and while I was in New York Chester was attacked by a large dog at the woman who was staying with him she was saying uh, watching another dog and you know these dogs had been my life they were my they were the only reason I survived a divorce, right? Getting off that bathroom floor at the end of your life, coming, feeling like it's coming to an end to feed them was the only reason I could get off the floor. And knowing that I hadn't been there, that I had chosen work, I had chosen to fly to a meeting to leave them, just broke something inside of me. I had to really put forward to myself the question of like, have I got all of my priorities right? I can sit around in this beautiful house with these dogs and now this one dog and what have I lost or what opportunity in life has passed me by because I was so focused on the big career. Um, it just, it kind of broke something inside of me and that permission that I needed, that box that I had put myself in just sort of dissipated. And I, I really needed to move forward with that. And at the same time, I had just received a job offer to go work for um, uh, another company and you know which would actually double salary and everything that I was at New York Life and and I really just felt like the universe brought all of that together for me at the same time to say here you are in this moment of reflection and I will give you two paths right I'll give you a path to leave everything behind and try this uh, startup and be poor for a little while but be joyous and happy and set the path and know that you're making massive growth and radical change in an archaic industry or I will double your financial wealth and send you on this path where you choose nothing but work and the choice seemed really simple and I think that was what I needed sadly in that moment in time to to make that choice which was to choose me um, and not choose the idea of a job or the idea of um, a professional career that I had aspired to. Oh, your story is beautiful. It's tragic and beautiful at the same time. And the concept of choosing us, choosing ourselves is, is one of the hardest choices I think to make and to verbalize and to say out loud. And also having been through a divorce and in a period of rediscovery for the last 10 years, frankly, of trying new things and, and learning to build my own decision-making muscle and testing out my own resiliency and checking my own risk-taking tolerance, um, which I love talking about as the foundation of insurance 
you don't know until you know. And I hate that it came to you in a moment of tragedy and grief, but I am obviously glad for the path that you've chosen. It's not to discredit. And this is one of the things that comes up a lot. I've I've started to do kind of begrudgingly a little bit of career coaching for women in the industry, because apparently there's something about telling your story out loud that draws other people in and they become curious. So um, with that, one of the things that we work through is what are all the obstacles? What are all the barriers? What are the things that we don't think we can overcome? And we start to talk through those and unpack those and then prioritize them and, and talk about which ones of them are roadblocks, which of them are speed bumps. And, but also what are you willing to risk? What are you willing to let go of? Because you mentioned it, it's years potentially of making no money or, or little money. And if you're motivated and value physical things and, you know, a quantity of things and nice this and nice that, that might need to shift. And so if you're not willing to make those shifts, which are very real, you know, a lot of us are, are motivated in very different ways. If you would have told me that at I'm 42 now that I would be earning at a level that I had when I'd only been in the industry for a couple of years, I would have said that's impossible. I could never see myself taking a leap like that, but I also couldn't have seen the rewards beyond the money right? The alignment, the fact that we're having this conversation in this moment and just trusting that, not that it's going to work out because that's very benign, right? That's just something, oh, just, just put it out there and it's all going to be fine. That's very placating. And, but there is a certain amount of trust of yourself and your ability and your instincts to keep going. And I love that you're on this path and I'm, I am cheering you on loudly from the sidelines. So Tell me where you are right now. You are building this business. You have a co-founder. You are out to shake up. I love that you said it. This, I'm using my own words, but tired, ready (laughs) for change, stale industry. How are you doing that? What does it look like? Yeah, you know, it it looks like for us um, in a number of different ways, it's offering customers an experience that is digital. It is offering an opportunity, if we can get it right, to change the purview of how people view insurance, Um, that it's just about an agent and it's just about their commission. Um, It's not about the experience that they have. You know, looking at it from a digital side of it, you know, how do we look at making insurance affordable? And a big part of that for us is how do we look at changing the game on distribution in non-traditional ways? distributing through group partnerships, Um, you know, the definition of a group, um, challenging that from a regulatory sense, right? A a group can, doesn't have to be, um, if I use sort of the easy analogy of a a group isn't necessarily a physical gathering of people any longer, right? A group is virtual, can be virtual. You know, that's exciting to us. And that's a big thing that we're really trying to focus on um, is sort of changing that game while really building a community. I don't think of just our policyholders as policyholders, right? They're a community. Um, Every dollar that we earn is in service to one of them. And figuring out the best way to build that community, whether or not it's through support on best ways for recovery, that it's not just, great, I'll take your claim information and make sure you get paid out, right? We follow up. I like to call our customers and kind of touch base of, are they getting what they need? Um, Some great 
insights around how they're thinking about insurance or even the types of coverage that they're looking for come from customers. Um, spoke to one customer who was like, I'm really struggling emotionally to get back up climbing because of the fall they had. And it would be great if there was some sort of coverage, if I could just go see a therapist, you know, two or three times, just talk through some of that trauma. Well, that is just not something that's covered in a typical policy, right? And so really trying to think about how do we change the landscape by actually meeting customer demand? You know, for us, it's, it is really just looking at it to say, do we know our customers? Do we know what they want? Do we know, do we know how they want to buy? when they want to buy, um, and are we able to actually be of service to them? Uh, I mean, brilliant. Thank you. Keep going. How can I help you? How can I support <laughs> you? All the things. Um, I want to acknowledge first and foremost, um, when was the last time as a buyer of any insurance product, we got a phone call from the co-founder of the company wanting our feedback? Um, good on you. Brilliant. I mean, talk about never losing touch, always understanding where your customers are and how to meet them there. I know scale, right, will affect that, but yeah. there's nothing better than direct feedback from the people that you want to serve. And I don't think that that ever changes no matter how huge you get. Um, okay. So you kind of, you mentioned it a little bit, but I want you to go a little deeper. So you mentioned a climber who had had an accident, who had bought insurance yeah. through your company so lay the land. So what's, what do you do? What is the problem you solve? How, tell me more about Spot. Yeah. So Spot is a tech startup um, where we offer subscription on demand uh, injury insurance. It's the first product out of the gate, protecting anyone from athlete to families at home. So if you had our coverage, we would actually, if you cut your finger getting ready for dinner, um, we'd cover the stitches. Or if you were climbing Mount Everest and broke your leg, we'd cover that as well. Um, and so there are really two lines of that business, which is the direct-to-consumer. If you went out to getspot.com, we're live in 43 states, and you could sign up for individual coverage or, and as well as add your family. Um, and then we have a partnerships model, which is to me really exciting because this is really how we're looking at changing sort of the distribution landscape and making insurance more affordable. So through partnerships, we're able to offer sort of event-based coverage. So as an example, a partner that we have live right now is Powder Mountain. In Powder Mountain, you can go up, buy your lift ticket, and for an extra $5, you can get $20,000 in medical reimbursement coverage if you were to get hurt that day skiing. And so it's really looking at it to say, are we making it affordable? Um, are we making the changing the way in distribution? And are we really honing in on that customer experience and leveraging that moment in time where people want to live life fully? Um, are we giving them that extra peace of mind? Um, and so that's the business we've been building. Um, and again, starting with sort of insurance, but I'm a big believer in sort of this idea as well of sort of unraveling comprehensive healthcare and allowing that to be a choice that we as individuals make. Um, and so wanting to look at it in the future to say what other types of additional policies can we add that people can build sort of a la carte coverage for their lifestyle. Mm, I love that. And the ingenuity, I'm, I am just all about it. And interestingly, I'm a sales coach for insurance agents. That's what I do for a living. And so it going direct to consumer completely cuts the agent out 
and I'm a fan. There is enough to go around, right? There, this yeah. will land with the right audience and they will be happy and content and the coverage they need. And I say, keep going. There is absolutely enough to go around. This is the kind of conversation we need to be having to make sure that we are continuing as professionals to meet the needs of our customer, which is what this industry is about. And as somebody who has in the last couple of years gone out to purchase her own individual health insurance plan, now that she is no longer part of a Fortune 500 company, I cannot tell you how much I support innovation in that space. So thank you for what you're doing there. Yeah, thank you. It's um, it's a journey, right? I mean, you look at it and you say, we do get a lot of that from brokers of, well, you're cutting me out and it's saying, I'm actually trying to educate the market, right? I'm offering a product that isn't readily or easily available to consumers today. And yet over 60% of bankruptcies stem from some sort of medical induced treatment. So how are we as an industry trying not to do something better for our customers? Um, and if that means opening a distribution channel, right, people always, always ask us like, oh, are you disrupting insurance? It's like, I don't necessarily know that I'm disrupting. What I believe that I'm doing is I'm opening up that funnel to a much wider audience to say insurance can be approachable. So here's a starting point. And it doesn't mean that I want to cut everything out or I want to offer every type of insurance. But what I do want to do is ensure that everyone out there gets a better understanding of what insurance can do in their lives. Um, and if this is a way to start it in an approachable and affordable manner, then I don't understand how I don't owe that to the consumer. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for, for just following through on your own personal beliefs and your mission. So often we're guided by the money, we're guided by the opportunity, we're doing what we know how to do because it's the only thing we know how to do. And it's just inspiring to hear somebody say out loud that there's another way a rising tide lifts all boats, right? I think, yep. especially in the space I'm in uh, as a coach, there's a lot of educating that I have to do first and foremost about what a coach even does before anyone's ready to make a decision to work with me or not. And the more that you can do to educate the consumer, whether they choose to buy through spot, whether they choose to go through a broker, they're making a more informed decision at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. And that is a good thing that will keep Absolutely. them- protected and making the right decisions for themselves, which is ultimately what this is about. That's awesome. If I or someone wanted to know more about Spot, how could I learn? Uh, we're out there at getspot.com or you can always reach out to me. I, I love to be an open book and sometimes my responses can be a little slower than I'd like, but um, I'm always available at Maria, M-A-R-I-A at getspot.com. Awesome. Thank you. Any closing thoughts, any reflections, anything on your mind or your heart as we wrap it up today? Yeah, um, thank you for asking that. I think there's probably two things I would just encourage. The first being whatever path an individual as we as women or, or men or how we identify ourselves take, whatever that choice is, that path is right for us in the moment. So feeling that the path for staying in a corporate job, if that's for you, that's awesome. Own that take that, right? And if trying out a leap of faith and starting your own company is something that you're passionate about, try that and own that too. But, you know, if it's the seed of an idea, but you're, you're driven a little bit by more than the corporate path, like there's never any judgment there, right? We're the only ones that can hold ourselves in a box, as I like to say. And the last is, I don't know if you know who she is, Meg, I'm sure you do, Brene Brown. 
but she is somebody, you know, I listened to her book and I say listen because she speaks to an audience, but um, the power of vulnerability. And that also just sort of fundamentally changed my life. It changed the, my life in the way that I think about meditation and sort of gratitude and how I accept myself and the way that I look at myself and the people we surround ourselves with being most important. And we as women often think about this journey being alone and a struggle. And when our friends call us and ask how we are, we tell them things are great. And we don't always dive into the hard topics or the asks that we have of them. And you know, she talks really beautifully about how we surround ourselves with people. And these people, our friends, are people that have earned the right to bear the burden of our story and how much we should lean into that community. And I think what you're doing here is a beautiful thing of driving that virtual community and finding a way for people to lean in to that. And that these stories we share, it's not to say I'm giving this to you to now bear the weight, but me as your friend, I should be saying, thank you like I, for trusting me to bear that and help you carry that burden. And I think we forget as women because it's our natural tendency not to want to put that on other people, to forget that we need that in our community. So I just, I just have such props for you for, for opening that conversation up and, and um, helping women dive into that. Mm. Well, thank you for that. It only works if I have willing participants. So thank you for, <laughs> thank you for being willing. <laughs> and um, Brene comes up all the time because I'm, I'm a huge fan of Brene and she has really changed for me the conversation with myself and with others by leading by example, that we can talk about these things and we can expose our darkest secrets and our deepest, ugliest moments. And in doing so, create a path for others to do that the same, which is where connection comes from. And I believe, I believe in that wholeheartedly. And I'll say I have for the last several years, ever since I discovered that Ted talk and I'll, I'll share it in the show notes here every year on my birthday with my (laughs) cup of coffee, wherever I am, I dial that up on my phone and I sit and I listen. And every time I listen, I learn something new. I hear something differently. It lands in a different place. And it's just such a reminder. I love the tradition of it now, but I also love that to your point, whatever path we're on, we're allowed to change and it doesn't have to be dramatic change, but we're not beholden to it forever. And that pressure, once we release that pressure can be such a beautiful thing. So yeah, thank you. I love that. Yeah. And her Netflix special, if you haven't watched it for anybody who hasn't watched it, the call to courage is really incredible as well. Yeah. You are incredible. Thank you so much for being here. What a, what a lovely, lovely conversation. And when I'm in Austin, you are on my list. So hopefully by then we're, we're able to be in person in closer proximity. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. This has been bound and determined and I am the host and producer of the show, Meg McKean. I am also the founder of Adjunct Advisors, and you are amazing. You can catch up on past episodes and learn about ways that you can support the show at adjunctadvisors.com forward slash podcast. Thanks for listening.